Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video or online at fellowshipgj.com. Or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's service. Good morning, everybody. So good to see you. Are you guys enjoying this series? I mean, come on. We talked last week. We wish we could get Pastor Tim on a television station being interviewed on, you know, some news channel somewhere because what you're getting and have received the last two Sundays, you're not going to hear anywhere out there. I talked to a college student a couple of weeks ago, and they said, you would not believe how much propaganda is going on on the universities. And my generation, she said, uh, is hearing all different kinds of things. Well, the last two, I said, share what the information you're getting from here because it is tremendous. In 2016, Pastor Tim started a deep dive into prophecy, into what the Bible had to say about Israel and archaeological findings as well as historical facts that go with, or uh, they just kind of are back there when you look at Scripture and then you bring all these into play you see how all of them just kind of work as a trifecta to be able to understand the truth. Well, you're not getting that on any news channel, and when you come to the house of God, you should be taught that uh, here at church. Well, the last two Sundays, you have had so many questions that were answered, and people are talking about how wonderful it is. Pastor Tim, more than any other pastor, I believe, in western Colorado, has spent hundreds upon hundreds of hours studying prophecy and end-time signs. He's written his own curriculum that has gone, that's being used with groups in Delta and even uh, other places, and it has just been, it has been amazing. But with, along with these hundreds of hours of research, there are more hours to research the resources to make sure that what he is saying is credible, and of course it all is. So I just wanted to step out of here before him because I told him, I said, hang back a minute, and I wanted you to know how blessed we are as a church family to have Pastor Tim as our own, our own co-pastor here, teaching this incredible material. Hey, hey, try that again as we get him out of here. Here he comes, Pastor Tim. Come on out here. Well, thank you for that kind introduction. I can't wait for the next three weeks. So Pastor Hooper next week is going to be going on the rapture. The following week, he's going to be going on the tribulation. And then the last week of this series, he's going to be talking about heaven. And so this has been a really, really fun series. And we've had so much fun. Uh, it's taken a lot of work, but we've had so much fun teaching it. Because it is something that we should be excited for. It is something that we should not be fearful of. The devil wants to make us fearful of our future. But Jesus died for that future. He died for us to have a hope in a future. So if we're feel fearful of that future, then what did he die for, right? He gave his life 
that we might have this future ahead of us. And so super excited about that. If you've missed any of the last two weeks, uh, you can catch that online. Um, it's super easy to find that on our website, and you can kind of get caught up if you've missed a few of the questions that we've answered over the last couple of weeks. In the last week, we talked about uh, what countries were going to be involved in a lot of the things that are getting ready to happen whether that is the war that is happening right now in the Psalms 53 war, the Jeremiah 49 war, or the Ezekiel war that talks about Gog and Magog. So we talked about Russia. We talked about Turkey. We talked about Iran. We talk, talked about Libya. And, and a lot of times we can think of those countries and go, well, yeah, so those countries are a long ways away from us. They're halfway around the world. What about countries that are closer to us? Like, what does the United States, or what are they going to, what is the United States going to do? Or how is prophecy spoken of the United States, or is it at all? Well, many scholars believe that we are one of the young lions mentioned in Ezekiel 38.13. That scripture talks about Sheba and Dedan, and the merchants of Tarshish with all the young lions thereof. Now, Tarshish is the United Kingdom, and we would be one of her young lions, along with Australia and Canada and New Zealand. This scripture speaks of the fact that we will not attack Israel during the Gog and Magog War, but we won't defend her either. And that's what we talked about last week. You know, a major sign that, that we're getting even closer is if we pull out of the Middle East, if we pull our carrier groups out of the Middle East for whatever reason and leave Israel to their own defense, then that will be another sign that we're getting super, super close to the Gog and Magog War as well as the rapture. So that's us. That's the United States. But what is the other big player in world powers right now? China, right? What does China have to do with all of this? What is spoken about in Scripture and prophecy about China? Well, Revelations 9, 14 through 16 says, And the voice said to the sixth angel who held the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the Euphrates River. Now, this is prophecy that will take place during the tribulation. Then the four angels who had been prepared for this hour and day and month and year were turned loose to kill one-third of all the people on the earth. I heard the size of, the ar of their army, which was 200 million mounted troops. Now, many scholars believe that the kings of the east, or the king of east, which is mentioned in Revela Revelation 16, which we'll talk about in just a second, will be the ruler of China, and that this king will have an army 200 million strong that will come and fight in the Battle of Armageddon at the end of the tribulation. So many scholars believe that, that that's, that's where China comes into play. They don't come into play right now. They don't come into play at the beginning of the tribulation, but at the end. This is something that's in current events right now, and I don't know if you've seen, uh, and it's related to this scripture, but I don't know if you've seen or if you watched on YouTube or, or maybe you've seen a, a newscast on this. It, if you look for it, it is very prevalent, especially in the news in the Middle East. But is the Euphrates River drying up as predicted in the Bible? Well, Revelation 16, 12 says, Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great Euphrates River, and it dried up so that the kings of the east, which we just talked about, could march their armies towards the west without hindrance. So the Euphrates River, if you look, is drying up especially in the southern countries that it passes through. 
Now, right now, much of that uh, is, is caused by uh, Syria as well as Turkey damming up the Euphrates River. So those, those countries don't cooperate with each other. They, they're supposed to make sure at one point that there was enough water at the end of the Euphrates to take care of those countries like Iraq. Um, but what has happened is Turkey and Syria have, have dammed, dammed up the, the, the river, hydroelectric dams, and then also made dams for their own irrigation uh, and, and for, to get water to different parts of their countries. And it has drastically decreased the amount of water that is actually getting out of the Euphrates. And not only that, but scientists say that there is some unknown factor that they can't explain. It has gone from 300 yards wide in some places to what many people are now calling a creek. So they're calling what, what used to be called the Great Euphrates River, Euphrates Creek. Now here's a before and after picture you can see uh, that shows much of that uh, 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 water as far as what it was in comparison to what it is now. But when you go online and you search it, you will see that there are parts where the Euphrates River, it looks like a ditch. It looks like there's hardly any water left in it at all. Now, Revelation 16, though, is talking about one of the last seven bowl judgments. And, and Pastor Hooper's going to be talking about the tribulation coming up because that can get confusing, and there's a lot of things that are going to be happening during the tribulation. But understand that there are different judgments that are going to come against the land. And this seventh bowl judgment is one of the last to be fulfilled in the tribulation. It'll be the la one of the last things that happen before the battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Christ at the end of those seven years. It will happen so that the eastern armies can march on Israel. So the eastern armies, this, the, these armies, these the, the armies from Asia, they have to be able to get their troops from where they are to where they need to get to, which is this valley of Armageddon uh, where this battle will take place. And so for that to happen, the Euphrates has to dry up. And it's, it's coming close to doing that now, but it will completely dry up at the end of the tribulation. Now this is a question we get a lot. Is Muhammad and Jesus similar, and is God and Allah the same? You get that a lot. And, and we did a series, uh, man, it was years ago, but it was, it, was, it was a message It was called, I have a friend who, so like I have a friend who thinks this, I have a friend who thinks this. But one of those questions was, I have a friend who thinks all religions are the same. Now, if you get out of our, our Christian bubble and you talk to people about what they believe and what they believe about world religions, many times you will get the opinion that all religions really are the same. Uh, we had a friend one time, we sat down with him, he, he, was a, he was a believer, but he was kind of a believer in all religions, which is kind of something that's become vogue to kind of be all-encompassing with your beliefs. And, you know, you kind of think, well, everybody's good, and as long as you live a good life, then you will go to heaven. Well, his thought was, and this is a very popular thought that Jesus was to Jews and Christians as Muhammad was to Muslims as as uh, as Buddha was to Asian cultures so he just thought you know what these were all prophets of a God and they all say the same thing and they all kind of mean the same thing and as long as they believe in their messiahs then they'll go to heaven because there's nothing further from the truth and when you study these world religions, you will see how vastly different they are. Vastly different. Uh, Buddhism, there's no even way to achieve salvation with Buddhism. 
Buddhism was just a guy that was wise, and they wrote down some of his wise sayings, but yet he is worshipped. And when it comes to Muhammad, and when it comes to Allah, and when it comes to Islam, if it was the same, they would have the same message. If it was the same, all of these religions would have the same message. But the Bible and the Quran are very different. Very different. So what I wanted to do this morning is give you another opportunity to take a picture of a screen so you can get some information. So these are the differences, and there's going to be two slides here. So this is the first slide between Islam and Christianity. First of all, and I'll move through them, I'm not going to read through all of them, but when it comes to Jesus, Islam believes that Jesus was a prophet who was virgin-born, but not the Son of God. Now, obviously, we know what Christians believe. If you'll skip down there, you'll see when it comes to the Trinity, that they believe that this is blasphemy, signifying a belief in three gods. And it's interesting, in Islam, the Trinity mistakenly is thought to, uh, to be God, Jesus, and Mary. Because Islam has a very hard time understanding the concept of the Holy Spirit. I mean, the Holy Spirit's kind of hard for, for a lot of us to understand, but when you have him, when he fills you, when he guides you, when he directs you, you are a believer in the Holy Spirit. But they don't have that. Islam does not have that. When it comes to sin, they believe sin is disobedience to the establishment, established law. And sin, but sin does not grieve Allah. Where in Christianity, sin is rebellion against God, and of course, sin grieves God. When it comes to man, man was created by Allah and is sinless. But in Christianity, man is created in God's image and is sinful by nature. And when it comes to salvation, because that comes to a lot of our minds when we start thinking about different religions, it's like, well, how are they saved? How do they believe that they will go to heaven? Well, in Islam, salvation is achieved by submitting to the will of Allah. Of Allah. There is no assurance of salvation. It is granted by Allah's mercy alone. And of course, in Christianity, salvation is by grace. It is by faith, and it is a free gift. But what about the Bible? And this is where it can kind of get confusing when it comes to the differences between Islam and Christianity because Islam believes in Scripture. They specifically believe in the Pentateuch. And the Pentateuch were the five first Bibles, uh, uh, books in the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They believe in that, the, those Scriptures. They believe in Psalms. And they believe in the Gospels. They believe in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John insofar as it agrees with the Quran. The Quran is the later revelation that supersedes and corrects errors in the Bible, according to Islam. According to Christianity, it's not accepted at all as divine revelation. In Islam, Muhammad was considered the last in the line of prophets and therefore the final authority in spiritual matters. And of course, in Christianity, it's not accept he's not accepted as a prophet or a legitimate theological source. And then when it comes to the last days. What does Islam believe when it comes to the last days? Well, they believe that there will be a bodily resurrection and a final judgment with a final destination. All Muslims, they believe, will go to heaven, though some must be purged of all of their sins first, and then all the infidels, us, are destined for hell. It's interesting because Islam believes that there is no shame in sin, yet for them to go to heaven, they'll have to be purged of it. So there's contradictions 
in their own scripture. Now, I don't know if you've ever read any of the Quran before. Um, it's, it's pretty hard to get a copy of, and, uh, as far as a complete copy of, uh, in English. I'll talk about that in just a second. But it is strange. It is strange. And when you start reading it, you will, if you want to, if you even want to expose yourself to it, you'll realize how strange those scriptures really are. Now, the Bible is meant for all people, Jews and Gentiles. It has been translated into 3,658 languages. Muslims believe that classical Arabic is the only true language for the Quran, and it is pure and everlasting. And Islamic religious ideology considers all other vernaculars to be inferior. And so that's what they believe about the translation when it comes to the Quran. The Quran. Now, anyone, it's interesting here, anyone, if you'll, if you, because we just had a, we had a, trip planned to Israel, and of course we had to cancel that, and I say cancel that because I don't think there'll ever be peace in the Middle East now to where we'll want to be comfortable enough to go there until the Prince of Peace comes, until he comes and establishes the peace that will happen and will happen throughout the world. But anyone who is not a terrorist can visit Jerusalem freely. You can't. I mean, tourism is one of their, their major sources of income in their, in their country. But you must be a Muslim to enter the city of Mecca. Mecca is considered the most holy place in Islam, only for Muslims. As Christians, we know who Jesus was. Muhammad was completely different. Muhammad spread Islam through force in wars. He was considered to be a warmonger. Jesus spread his word through love, miracles, and forgiveness. Muhammad married a nine-year-old and consummated the marriage when she was 12. Jesus was sinless to the point of being a perfect sacrifice for all of us. Muhammad died in the arms of his third and favorite wife and was buried in a tomb in Medina, Saudi Arabia, and is still there today. Jesus died on the cross in Jerusalem, and his tomb is empty. Major differences. Major differences. So what about the Antichrist? What about who is this guy going to be? What is he going to be like? Will we know who he is? Well, I believe the Antichrist is alive. I believe that he is living right now. I believe he has not been revealed yet. And I believe that ahead of him has been leashed, unleashed a spirit of the Antichrist on the world and that is all the craziness that we're seeing, all the stuff that we're seeing, the chaos and the, the violence and the rage and the, and the deception. That is all the spirit of the Antichrist. But the Antichrist is going to have certain characteristics, the first of which is he will be an intellectual genius. That according to Daniel 8.23. So he's going to be super smart. He's going to have great wisdom, and people are going to be amazed by how intelligent he is. Number two, he will be an or, uh, uh, oratorical genius. An oratorical genius. Any dictator that has come through the ages, that has come to power for the most part, they're great orators, right? They're, they're really good speakers, and they're great at, at bringing about motivation to follow them and to follow their causes. We see that in Daniel eleven thirty six and Revelation 13, 2 and 6. He will be a political genius, according to Daniel 9, 27. He'll be a politician. He's going to be really, really good at it. Number four, he will be a commercial genius. He's going to understand the economy. 
He's going to understand money. He's going to understand how to, to make money and how to generate money. He's going to be very good at that. Number six, he will be a religious genius. So he's going to understand all the religions of the world, and he's going to be able to bring them together, and he's going to uh, have them bring about unity with all of these different belief systems. And then number seven, he will come from the same nationality or from the same country that destroyed the temple, according to Daniel 9.26. That's the destruction of the temple the second time. So that's the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire at its peak was massive. It encompassed in many different countries. In fact, this is a, a picture of it. Everything in red was the Roman Empire at its apex, at 117 A.D. So we know, according to Daniel, that this man is going to come from this region. Now that's huge. That means that he could be British. That means that he could be Persian. That means that he could come from North Africa. It means that he could come from the Middle East or, or, or in many parts of Europe. But he won't come from the West. And he won't come from the Far East. So these are some ways that we'll know and be able to identify whether the Antichrist is who he says he is. And it will be obvious once he is... Uh, uh, comes to power and when when he starts to bring peace upon the land but it will be totally identifiable when he signs this peace treaty between israel and the rest of the world okay so he's out there now will we see him reveal before we're raptured i don't know uh most likely we won't know for sure because i think from the rapture and the beginning of the tribulation the antichrist is going to come in and look like he's the rescuer of the world and so most likely we won't know for sure. Uh, and, and if you want to listen to the first session of signs, it does a pretty good job of, of predicting who it is, and not by name, but the position that he'll hold. So you might want to pick that up if you want a little more information on that. as a whole hour of teaching in that. Now, with all of these questions that we uh, have answered, I think a lot of times we get the question and have gotten the question how do we stay informed with the truth you know if the spirit of the antichrist is on this planet which we know it is and there's so much deception out there how can we make sure that we are getting the truth well i'm going to give you two resources and these guys are incredible I respect them very much. The first is Jimmy Evans. Jimmy Evans is a pastor. He's been a pastor uh, in, um, in Texas for many years. He has an incredible marriage ministry, but he also is an expert at end times teaching. Now, this is a little QR code. You can scan that QR code, and that will take you over to his podcast. Now, he has a podcast that you can pay $9 a month for, and it'll give you all the information, or he has a free podcast, and it'll give you a lot of the information. But he is incredible. Uh, if you sign up for his podcast, you will get three to four email updates a week, um, and that can come through your text streams, or it can come through your email. And guys, he's awesome. He's incredible. Um, it is, it, it, he has been such a blessing in my life. Uh, he wrote the series Tipping Point, wrote a book called Tipping Point. Um, and so he's been teaching on end times and prophecy for a long time. And he stays up to date with the news and also then brings that together with the prophecy in the Bible. Here's the second one. This guy's name's Amir Sarfati. And Amir is boots on the ground in Israel. He is an Israeli citizen. He's ex-military, which most of the time, if, if they're Israeli citizen, or if they grew up in Israel, they served two terms, uh, or served two years 
in the IDF. So he served his terms in the military, uh, and then he started, started working his way up in a tour company. So the tour company that we were going to use is a like a tour company that he worked his way up in to the point where he was CEO of this tour company. He was also uh, in politics. He was a former deputy governor of Jericho. But he's a Christian who's committed now to getting the truth out from the ground. This is what he does. Jack Hibbs, who's a great pastor also that talks a lot about end time stuff, had him uh, in a service via satellite. So he was in his church, Jack was in his church, and then um, uh, Amir was in Israel at, at the same time via satellite answering questions about the things that were going to happen. Now, this QR code will get you to uh, his texting format and you'll have to download an app, but he will send you, if you, you know, if you want to get notifications, <laughs> you can get like 50 or 60 a day. And he not only talks about what is happening in Israel as far as the war, as far as um, what is happening in Gaza, as well as Syria, as well as Jordan, as well as Yemen, and he stays very, very current with all of those things. But he also will talk about other things that are happening in the world that also are prophetic. Like, have you seen all of the earthquakes that are happening in Iceland right now? Some like over 30,000 earthquakes where, where the, the country is really being literally split apart in spots. And so he talks about that, and he talks about uh, different events, whether it's uh, cataclysmic events that are kind of happening, if you want to call them that. Or, uh, but the things that are predicted in the Bible as far as wars and rumors of wars, natural catastrophes, famines, he keeps you up to date with all those things. So that's his QR code. Um, and he, I just recommend you, you, you scan that and use him because he is, he is a wonderful guy and uh, just does a wonderful job when it comes to those things. But what do we do in light of all of this? Fellowship Church, what do we do in light of all these things? Well, first of all, live your life, right? Live your life to the fullest because none of us know how much time we have left. Don't go into a fearful position where you don't go out and, and, and go back to school or, or maybe make a purchase of a new home or just live your life because God loves you and you're protected and he, he's going to make sure you're okay. And so we can't, we can't live in fear where it dictates what we do or the decisions we make. We make our decisions with the Lord guiding us and, and in faith. And that's what we need to continue to do. The scripture talks about before the rapture comes, that everything is going to be like the days of Noah and like the days of Lot. People are going to be getting married. There's going to be trade going on. It's going to be business as usual. So that's what we need, and that's how we need to live our life. Live it to the fullest. The other thing we need to do is fulfill the Great Commission. When Jesus said to fulfill the Great Commission, he didn't just tell the disciples to do that. He didn't just tell men to do that. He told all of us to do that. Go out and make disciples. That means tell people about Jesus. Invite them to church. Invite them to, to, to come and experience what the Holy Spirit really, really feels like. So make disciples. We want to make sure that there's nobody in our life that would miss the rapture. And if they do, they are going to be so educated that they'll be the greatest evangelists for us for those next seven years. That's what we want to make sure of. So we, we want to make disciples. We want to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. That's why we do baptismal services here like once a quarter because we know that that's important because that, that is a symbol of people saying, I want to be different. Jesus changed my life. I am reborn. And then he says, teach them to obey the word. 
Teach them to obey the word. If the world would have taken Jesus more seriously and really would have taught, if we all would have done better with teaching people the word of God, the world wouldn't be in the state that it's in right now. So in these last days, pray that God would give you an opportunity to teach the word to people, to show them the truth, to give them hope, that they wouldn't focus on the things that are happening around them, but instead they would focus on Jesus. And then pray. Pray for the lost. We know who they are, right? We have them around us. They're, they're family members, they're friends, they're people that we love, they're coworkers, but they're lost. And we need to pray for them. We need to pray that, that somehow, some way, they would come to know Jesus. And if you're not the one to tell them, because maybe you don't have the influence with them in that way, pray that God would put somebody in their life that has that influence. The Bible says we need to pray for Israel. Even though ultimately we know what's going to happen, we still need to pray for her. That God is going to protect her. God is going to do incredible miracles on, on, on his people and his land's behalf. But there's still going to be casualties. There's still going to be people, martyrs, that are, that are going to die. And so we need to pray for Israel. We need to pray, of course, for our own country. We need to pray for peace. Once again, we know what is to come. But we know that the Prince of Peace is the answer to all of that. And then pray that we would finish the, the race strong. And that, that's what you want, right? That, that's what I want. I, I, I mean, I want to finish the race strong. I don't want to barely make it across the line. I want to make it across the line in stride with kick. You know, I used to be a quarter miler. I used to run the quarter miler and the coach used to, to teach that you had to save something for that last hundred meters. You had to save a kick for the end. So Lord, I pray that for all of us. I pray God that you give us a kick right now. A kick to finish strong. A kick to cross that line. And that we would do it, Lord, with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind all of our strength. Lord, we come before you this morning and, and we do, we, we just, we pray for lost people in our lives. In fact, wherever you're sitting right now, I want you to just take a second. I want you to pray for the lost people that you know. Pray that God would soften their hearts. Pray that God would give you the words to speak to them the opportunity to speak to him. Or that God would put somebody else in their life that they would listen to. Lord, I pray that in these last years maybe that we have on this planet, maybe the last days we have on this planet, that you'd help us to be the disciples that you would want us to be. Help us to see more and more people saved all the time, more and more people baptized all the time. Make us the evangelists that you'd want us to be. And Lord, we pray for peace. 
We pray for peace, God. We pray for peace in the Middle East. We pray for peace on, peace on our college campuses. We pray for peace in our cities. We pray for peace around the world. And ultimately, Lord, we pray that the Prince of Peace would return. We look forward to that day. And we believe it's coming. We love you, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for showing us all these things in advance so that we might hope, have hope that we wouldn't be fearful, that when things unfold, we'd go, yep, you predicted that. Yep, that was in there. And in fact, Lord, that you'd bind a spirit of fear and that you would change that to where when we see these things coming true in our in, in, in our in our presence that that would be faith building for us and whatever fear that we might have you would change to peace and you would you would change to joy we love you god and thank you so much for all that you've done for us thank you for saving a place for us in heaven and we pray these things in jesus name Amen. God bless you guys. Don't miss next week and happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I'll ask you now to be my savior, to be my guide and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text HEAVEN to 94000 to get in contact with our staff where we can answer any questions you may have. Also, if you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer request by texting PRAYER SUPPORT to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text Fellowship to 94000 to connect with our staff. As always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week in person or online.